Grapevine Baptist Church, we are so glad you've chosen to be with us here today. We do ask that you continue to pray for our country, continue to pray for our leadership, our president. We ask that God would just work in a mighty way, speak into us what he's trying to say, and that we would hear and we would respond personally, we would respond corporately. Again, we thank you for how you are supporting Grapevine. We thank you that we're able to, to let the gospel go around the world even as we're sharing this message today. And you can continue to give by doing that online. You can mail your tithes and offerings in. You can drop them by the church office between 9 and 2 throughout the week. So do realize that. And you are aware that you can find us on Facebook. Every day there's a devotion going out. You're also finding this worship service there. And you can find it on YouTube. You can see the instructions on our webpage there. If you have prayer concerns, let me encourage you, you can text those to us, you can email those to us, you can call those in, and we will take care of sharing those with others about the needs that are taking place. But do realize this, a couple of quick announcements, May the 2nd at 3 p.m., we're going to have a drive-through parade here at the front of our church. You should have received information about that. If not, you can call the office next week and find out. But that's at 3 p.m., we won't be getting out of our cars, it's just to say hi, we love you, we miss you, and we'll be driving so realize that and then on May the 3rd we will begin parking lot service at 11 o'clock in the front parking lot we'll have parkers there to show you how to park your car you will not be allowed out of your vehicle do understand that and if it rains it will be canceled and because we're doing the parking lot services through the month of May, we will be still broadcasting this service but it will be coming on at 6 p.m. in the evening so do realize that on May the 5th, we have prayer on the mountain, and that's where we're uniting across this land to pray for spiritual awakening in America. And if you need to, you can call into Grapevine Church this week and register that you're going to be a part. Right now, we've got 88,000 people have registered to pray for spiritual awakening on May the 5th. So do realize that and take opportunity with that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this service this day. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Father, you've allowed us to come one more time and share the story of Jesus Christ, God. I pray, God, you be exalted, you be magnified, you be honored. Father, we love you. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. We're glad to be here worshiping with you, and uh, we're excited about what God's doing here at Grapevine Baptist Church, even through these challenging times. Uh, we're going to sing a song that's kind of up-tempo today, so we want you to uh, clap your hands, tap your feet, because you're at home, and we want you to worship with us and testify, because God's still good, even in the bad times. God is good. Somebody ought to testify. 
Childress family, ladies, for sharing with us this morning. If you have your Bible, and I hope you will take a copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. You find here in this passage something that you'll never see again, you've never seen before, where God gives his vessel, his servant, the choice of his chastisement. And you, we've heard the phrase, stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, that's what's going on here with David. Now, look what it says in First Chronicles chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring number of them to me, and I may know it. And Joab answered, 
the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But Lord thy king, are they not all thy Lord's servants? And why then doth the Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and he went through all of Israel and he came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. Look at verse 7. And God was displeased with his thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. And so Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee, either three years of famine, three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or three days the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am of great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. And so the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell Israel 70,000 men, and God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. Now verse 18. The angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord into the threshing floor of Ordan the Jebusite. And David went at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. In verse 26. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. And at that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering were at the season in the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of the Lord of the angel. And then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. As I shared with you just a moment ago, this is the only time in Scripture where God gives his man a choice of what type of punishment, what type of chastisement that he will have in his life. And, and, and what I have found is very unusual when I, when I start thinking about this. How do you get right with God? Because that's what this passage of Scripture is showing us. And what is unusual is the same way that a lost person gets right with God is very similar to how a Christian person gets right with God. A Christian person who has backslidden, a Christian person who has sinned, a Christian person who has allowed other things to come into his life. The similarities are striking. And in this text of Scripture, God shows us the five things that are necessary for a person to get right with God. And maybe you are a church member, but you've never been born again. Maybe you've been baptized, but you've never met Jesus Christ as your real living Lord and Savior. And maybe you're just, you are lost and you know you're lost. Right here in the Word of God, God 
shows us what it takes for a man, woman, boy, or girl to get right with God, to be born again, to get restored in their fellowship, in their relationship with Christ. Will you hear the word of God? So the first thing you see is this. For a person to get right with God, he or she must be willing to deal with sin biblically. Now, now we live in a very sad time and we learn very well from our forefather Adam and from Eve because when God called Adam out because of his sin, what did Adam do? He blamed Eve. He said, the woman that thou gavest me. And what did Eve do? The serpent beguiled me. We have learned how to pass the buck of responsibility. We have learned how to excuse ourselves. We can say, oh, I deny my sin. I'm okay. I'm all right. There's nothing wrong with me. We've learned how to minimize our sin. Well, this is not that bad. There's other people doing a whole lot worse. We've learned how to rationalize our sin. I know people who are worse than I am. We know how to forget our sin, do we not? We can get so busy with life and busy with making a living and busy with visiting friends and family and busy shopping and busy on the internet and filling our mind with so much stuff that our unconfessed sin, our unforsaken sin, it does not seem to bother us. This is done all the time. And then we wonder why there's no blessing. We wonder why there's no touch of God upon our lives because we have chosen to ignore and try to forget our sin because we fill our minds with activities and music and noise. But, but if you look in verse 8, you see the way you have to deal with your sin is the same thing David said because David said there in verse 8, he said, I have sinned greatly. I have done this thing. You see, we tend to sin specifically, but then we want to confess generally. I mean, how many of us have said, Lord, forgive my mistakes. Lord, forgive my shortcomings. Lord, forgive my failures. Lord, we say all these things, but we don't get specific and say, God, forgive my sin. Now, I find this interesting. There's over 4,000 people named in the Bible. Do you know how many of those said, Lord, I have sinned? 10. 10. And one of those in the New Testament was Judas. Now you can say the prodigal son, he said that yes, but he's a character in that prodigal son story. The other nine are in the Old Testament. Do you know who they were? I'll help you. Pharaoh said, I have sinned. Balaam said, I have sinned. Achan said, I have sinned. Saul said, I have sinned. David said, I have sinned. Shimei said, I have sinned. Judas said, I have sinned. Nebuchadnezzar said, I have sinned. Job said, I have sinned. Micah said, I have sinned. And yet we live in a day where people will choke themselves before they will say that word, Lord, I have sinned. We want to sing that old Negro spiritual saying, Lord, it's them, it's them standing in the need of prayer and we miss it. Lord, it's me, it's me, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Lord, I have sinned. I have to confess. I have to say, Lord, I repent. Repentance is essential to getting right with God according to the Bible. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You must be willing to deal with sin the biblical way. 
That's why people don't get free. That's why people don't get deliverance. That's why people don't get joy inside their life. You have to deal with sin according to the Bible. That's why you have to accept the Bible as the Word of God, as all authoritative, as inerrant, as sufficient. You have to accept the Bible. This is where it all stops. If it doesn't stop with the Word of God, does it stop with you? Is it up to you to determine right from wrong? Is it up to your fallible human flesh to say, oh, well, we have evolved beyond that now? You must deal with sin according to the Bible. And you must be willing, this is number two, to obey the word of God. See, see, God had a prophet, a, a seer, they called him in the Old Testament. His name was Gad. And God said to Gad, you go tell David that I'm going to offer him three options. And nothing like this is ever seen in scripture before or after. You got to pick your own chastisement. He said, you can say there's three years of famine. There will be three uh, uh, years of fleeing from your enemies or three months. Or, or there's three days of pestilence. Now, God did not say, well, Gad, I'm going to go have a talk with David myself and we're going to talk this out. Gad went at the prompting of the word of God and Gad went and he preached the word of God to David. He proclaimed the word of God to David. Now, now here's what David could have said to Gad because Gad was the king. He could have said, when I want you to come in here and give me a message, I'll call for you. But I do not call for you. So you go back to your own prophet house and you wait till I call you. But that's not what David said. David understood the importance of letting the man of God preach the word of God. And he was willing to listen to the word of God preached. He was willing to listen to the word of God proclaimed. So he could respond. There's no restoration with God apart from the Bible. And God gives us the pattern on how it is done, how you get right with God. You want to get right with God, you get right with God according to what the Bible says. Look what it says in Psalm 138 verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Did you see that last phrase? God saying, I have magnified my word above my name. Isn't that amazing? Because God's name is to be exalted. But he says, I exalt my word above my own name. And if you're going to get right with God, you will do it according to the Bible. You will do it according to the book. You will do it according to the word of God. And so Gad comes back to David and David says, yes. We have a lot of people who want to get right with God on their own terms. They think we can work out a deal. We can negotiate something with God. Who's sovereign in that situation? You or God. God is sovereign at all times. And if you're to get right with God, you get right with God according to how the Bible says you get right with God. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if you will confess your sins, 
God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He does. But what that means is if you will confess your sins, if you will see your sin as God sees them, if you will abhor your sin as God abhors your sin, he is faithful, he is just to forgive, to cleanse. Hallelujah. But you can't come at 1 John 1, 9 and say, well, I think I'm gonna sin today and I got 1 John 1, 9 in my hip pocket and I'm just gonna claim that verse and I'll be all right. You're treading on dangerous ground there because then you're assuming on God and you are taking the word of God completely out of context. You must obey the word of God. There has to be responding according to what the Bible says and the Bible says you have to acknowledge your sin and you have to obey the word of God. And thirdly, you must throw yourself on the mercy of God. David said, I'm in a great strait. I'm in a situation, I'm in a mess. We can all relate to that, can't we? Three years of famine, that's a long time. Three months of fleeing from my enemies. How many people would die? I, I don't want to be at the mercy of my enemies. I'll choose three days of, of, of pestilence and I'm going to throw myself at the mercy of God. Do you understand anything other than hell in your life and my life is a bonus? See, see, see God didn't, we didn't do God a favor when we trusted him. Hear me, guys. Anything other than hell is a bonus. And Jesus gave his life's blood that you might know salvation, you might know forgiveness, you might know cleansing. David chose three days. And the angel of the Lord went out through the land and he slew 70,000 people. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I think if they'd have had a famine for three years, I think it would have impacted 70,000 people. I think if they had fled from their enemies for three years, it would have impacted 70,000 people. See, see, God extends grace, but there are consequences of sin. Forgiveness and grace doesn't violate the judgment of God. Forgiveness and consequences are two different things. But do you see the bigness of this little sin? He took a census. You can go back in the Old Testament. Moses took a census. Why was it right for Moses but not for David? Because God didn't tell David to. And what happened when David took this census there's this tendency to be lifted up in pride because now I've got 1,580,000 soldiers under me that I can place my confidence in rather than God who is over me. Do you see why pride is such a terrible thing? And the bigness of this little sin was ever so costly now, have you ever been spanked by your parent? Now, I am a parent, and I have spanked my kids. And I was a kid, and I have been spanked by my parent. I have people wanting to give personal testimony right here. And when I was spanked by my parents, it took me a while, but I learned this. When I would get a spanking, sometimes as they would hold on to my arm, I would try to run away. 
Anybody try to run away? How'd that work for us? I learned, and it took a while. If I will turn into my father or mother and grab them by the legs or by the waist and just hang on and plead for mercy. See, see, see that's what God is saying to us. You've got to throw yourself on the mercy of God. You can grab hold of the Father and you can cry out, God, be merciful. If you want to be right with God, man, throw yourself on the mercy of God. Don't run from him. We have too many people that they're running from God because they don't want to get right according to how the Bible says you get right. They don't want to get saved how the Bible says the only way to be saved. You've got to run to the Father. You've got to cling to the Father. You come to God based on what the Word of God says. And that's the fourth thing. If you really want to be right with God, you will pay any price, whatever the cost. See, that's where you see the real difference in people. When they're saying, I'll do anything to be right with God. Whatever it takes, I'll do whatever, God. You find in this passage of Scripture, Ornan, he's a, he's a wonderful man. He was threshing wheat there at that spot. And, and when David comes and he says, I want to buy the threshing floor here. And, and all it was is a large rock. I've stood there on that threshing floor. It's just a large rock there in Israel. And, Ornan, he said, you can have it, just take it. But David said, no, I will pay you. I will not offer the Lord that which costs me nothing. So what do you try to offer Jesus? What does it cost you? Are you obedient in your tithe and offerings? Are you willing to sacrifice a meal to, 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 to help someone else? Are you willing to sacrifice time to, to, to say, yes, I will meet together to worship? Whatever it costs. God may say, I don't want you in this business. I want you in that business. I don't want you over here. I want you over there. Will you do whatever it takes? Whatever it takes to draw close to God. Are you willing? Guys, Shar and I pastored our last church 26 years. And God said, it's over. And we left and came to western Kentucky, leaving our children, our grandkids. Now, on this side, I look, that's a sacrifice, but it's nothing compared to what Jesus did for me. I can't even bring that up. I've done nothing. But whatever it takes, will you obey God? I get amazed when I hear people say, well, I wouldn't leave my grandbabies. And I just sit there and think, well, you ain't got much spiritual life. Because whatever it takes, do you do understand God can take out of your life anything you put in place of him? Whatever it takes, do you yield? You don't come to a negotiation table and sit down and say, well, Lord, now here's what I'm willing to do. When God speaks, you obey. Now, if you choose not to obey, God may let you be successful. But you can also be miserable in your success. And so David bought the threshing floor, and God answered by sending fire. Now, hear me. There's only ten times in the Bible 
God answers by sending fire. And this is one of them. That's important. Then look what he says in chapter 22, verse 1. Then David said, this is the house of the Lord God. And this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. Now someone can say, wait a second, David. This is not the house of the Lord. The tabernacle is back in Gibeon. It's six miles away. What do you mean sacrifice? What are you doing here? David said, this is the house of the Lord. He was making sacrifice for you to accept the forgiveness of God for restoration. You do it on the basis of faith, not the basis of feelings or goosebumps or whatever. And David started from this time on working for the building of the temple of God on this spot. See, faith said, this is the house of God. Nothing was there yet. There was just the threshing floor. But this is where God was dwelling. And you accept the forgiveness of God based on faith. Hardest thing you'll ever do is get saved. I say it's hard because, you see, you're called to trust someone you've never seen. You're called to put your faith in someone that you have never seen. You have the word and the testimony of other people, but you have never experienced salvation for yourself. But you are saved by grace through faith when you respond to the word of God, when you respond to the person of Jesus Christ. And then you have feelings, not necessarily. You live by faith. You're saved by faith. Guys, I've been saved 49 years, and I am not a super Christian. I am not a great Christian, but God has a super track record in the last 49 years of my life. It doesn't take a lot of faith to trust somebody who has never failed you in 49 years. And yes, there's been things I did not understand. And yes, there's things that have been uncomfortable in my life. But hear me, God has never failed me. He has sustained me. And listen to me, when you want to get right with God, you come to him based upon what Jesus did on Calvary. You come to him based on the word of God what he has shown you and you yield yourself to that word and you live by faith now there is a feeling oftentimes that you may get but a feeling is not the same as the feeling of the Holy Spirit they're two different things and you accept forgiveness by faith not by feeling and when you sin, you accept forgiveness by faith when you make honest confession and repentance of that sin to God. You want to get right with God. Here's what the Bible says. You deal with sin the biblical way. You, you're willing to obey God's word. You throw yourself on the mercy of God. You pay the price and you accept forgiveness by faith and you get busy for Jesus. Whatever it takes, Lord, I'm yours. Maybe God has spoken to your heart today and you realize you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. I beg you, cry out to Jesus right now. Trust him and he will save you. You can call the number and someone can talk to you and they can show you what it means to be saved. Maybe you're a Christian, but you know you, you've strayed from God. He's not the passion of your heart, your life, and you need to make things right. There's got to be adjustments in your life to what the Bible says. Trust him today. 
Father, we pray, Lord, that you would speak into our spirits, God, your word of conviction, God. I pray, God, you would show lost people their sin. I pray, God, you would show them lostness. You will remove blinders, God, and they'll understand maybe for the first time how to be saved, God, and they would cry out to you and respond to you. And God, for those who are born again, but Lord, they're struggling, God. They're wayward, God. They've put other things before you, God. I pray, God, you get real to them. You show them how to come back. Show them how to repent. Show them how to yield. Father, we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a song for all times. We invite you all at home to sing along with this one. I know you know it. Just worship with us as we sing How Great Thou Art. Joy 
We are so glad that you chose to be with us today. Uh, one encouraging word that we've had, we have a lady wanting to join our church, and you know her, most of you, Diane Hancock-Cottle. I think it's the daughter of John and Sue Knight. She wants to use, uh, transfer her letter from DeWitt Baptist Church near Barberville, Kentucky, back here. And we are so grateful for that. And we will proceed with this business at the next opportunity that we have as we meet with the administrative meeting of the church. But let's have a word of prayer as we dismiss today. Father, again, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Speak to us, God, by your word. Father, let those who are lost get saved quickly, God, because time is short. Let those who are struggling strayed, Father, Lord, get right. Time is short. We have no promise of tomorrow, as your word says. Help us, Lord, to do for the glory of the kingdom of God what you'd have us to be about right now. In Jesus' name, amen.